listening to WRBH Reading Radio for the Blind. This is the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carla Redondo, former chief meteorologist of WWL-TV. I have retinitis pigmentosa. I am visually impaired and I walk with a white cane. On today's episode of the Public Affairs Show, I am happy to have uh, uh, someone that my dad actually uh, informed me about. He saw an article in his hometown of San Antonio, where he lives now, and about this photographer who's visually impaired and uses uh, cameras to take uh, photographs and is a photographer with a vision impairment. So with us today is Christine Gorman from Texas. Christine, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, when I read your story in the article, it, it just you know brought to my attention how awesome and how we have to adapt to our vision impairment to continue to do what we love doing or doing things in general. We have to adapt to our vision impairment. And, and seeing what you've done is one great example that I wanted to bring to our listeners. Well, thank you. I've been told for many years now that a visually impaired person can do anything except drive and perform brain surgery. So <laughs> I try to live up to that. That's true, but I don't miss driving at all. I stopped driving in 2017. I do not miss it one bit. I stopped 35 years ago. Oh, okay. Wow, okay. When I almost ran over a traffic cop. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Okay. <laughs> that's a good choice. All right. Uh, first, tell everybody about yourself, a little bio, a little history of where you're from, you know, if you want to mention schools or uh, family, you know, just let, let our listeners know who Christine is. Okay. I am 61 years old, married. I have four grandchildren. I live in Texas. Um, I grew up in California, and I was adopted at birth. I have recently, in the last few years, uh, found a lot of my half-siblings. And now you're learning more about, you know, from your half-siblings, because uh, tell everyone about your vision impairment, how that happened, when it started, and, and the little history about, you know, what you have that we don't know yet. Okay. Um, I started wearing glasses when I was six and have never seen 2020 even with glasses. But it was my mid-20s that we realized I had a problem, and a doctor suggested that I get cornea implants. And they, it, it was a, that was a rough time. Back then, uh, you had to wait for somebody to die to get the implants. And I remember one night seeing a horrible accident on the news, and about three hours later, I got the call that I'd be having surgery the next morning. But um, the implants did not work, and for years, I was told this was my own thing, and um, vision got progressively worse. I had uh, retinal detachments. Um, I have sclera buckles around both eyes, and I've had about 20 surgeries altogether to keep the sight that I have now. But a few years ago, my son was diagnosed with the same thing that I have that has no name. And then I found my half-siblings through Ancestry and found out that half of them also have this unnamed disease in their eyes. So they're now doing genetic testing. So we're, we're hoping to at least, hopefully it will help my grandchildren it, you know, I think it's too late for myself. But. 
What is your vision like right now? How much can you see? Is it just uh, uh, a lot of blurry images, shapes, uh, colors? Uh, Describe how you see. My visual acuity is count fingers with hand movement at two feet. But I do see some movement, some color, um, though it's pretty distorted. And, uh, you know, a telephone pole will look wavy. And so I I just, over the past 35 years, I've been used to what I see. But I'm corrected a lot. No, that's not what you're really seeing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, do you uh, are you guided or do you use a white cane? How do you uh, navigate and walk around? I use a white cane. I qualify for a dog, but we live out in the country, and I'm afraid that uh, a guide dog would just be more of a pet than anything. Okay. So I I do pretty well with the white cane. Good. Um, and I'm a orientation and mobility specialist, so I do oh, I, I've taught good. the white cane, so I, I use it everywhere I go. Um, now, talk about photography. How'd you got, how you got interested in that? And, and let's talk about the process of how you do it now with the vision impairment. I fell in love with my dad's camera when I was maybe three or four years old. And from then on, I always knew I was meant to be behind the camera taking the pictures. And I didn't lose my sight gracefully. I decided I was going to keep on taking pictures and, you know, they were horrible, as you would expect. I We went on vacation with friends of ours, and I had a, a little throwaway camera, and I took a picture of the statue called Christ of the Ozarks. And when I got it developed, it was our next-door neighbor that we traveled with blowing his nose with a piece of the statue in the background. So we framed that for his birthday. Um, but I was determined after hearing beautiful bird songs that I had never noticed in my life that I wanted to know what bird was making this song. And I grabbed a camera and took a picture and got this bright red streak. And my husband said, that's a cardinal. I said, you mean they're really red? I had no idea. I have never had enough sight to see a bird. And so from then on, I was determined to get better pictures, and I taught myself a lot of tricks on how to focus the camera, which is an autofocus, but you still have to press the button down, and to get it to focus on certain places where I know the birds will be coming, and I wait for the sound, and I click, and I've won a few awards, and I'm I'm outside almost every day trying to get better pictures of birds. Well, that's awesome. I, I really love that 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 you're continuing that, and you were determined to uh, continue despite having a vision impairment. Um, this led you to uh, possibly writing a book, and I know you have. So let's talk a little bit about your book, uh, "The Boy and the Bunny." Correct? Yes. the The book is called "The Adventures of Bunny and Boy." And it is very loosely uh, based on my oldest grandson who toted around his favorite stuffed bunny everywhere he went. And he would climb a, a big dirt hill in the yard and, you know, would think that he was on top of a mountain when he was about four. And he, a- he would ask me at nap time to tell him stories 
adventures of his bunny and him. And so I started writing these down and I was just going to staple it together and give it to him one day until when he got in first grade, he sat down to read with me and he read me the title of the book, the author who illustrated it, opened it up and read me the publishing date. And then he read me the story. And I thought, oh, he would never be happy with just some stapled together papers. So I made it a mission to get it into book form and asked my daughter-in-law to do the illustrations. And now it's a book. Was that the first book you've written? or It, it is the first book, but I do have a second book um, in the works. It's going to be called Birdville, an interview with a blind photographer. And it will have a lot of my photography in it and a bit of a surprise ending. Oh, okay. A surprise ending. So the uh, book right now, uh, The Adventures of uh, Bunny and the Boy, where can uh, people get that if they want to uh, buy the book? Amazon.com. I think if you go to barnesandnobles.com, it will direct you to Amazon. And what did your uh, grandson think about the story in the book? He loved it. And in fact, all four of my grandkids love the book. Um, I've given several of them away and uh, some teachers, they read them to their class, at, you know, during story time. And so it, it's been a pretty big hit so far. I, I was really quite surprised. Now, did the other grandkids uh, say, well, where's the book about me? <laughs> Um, one of them has the, the younger brother to, to the, the boy with the bunny, but you know, he says, well, it's all about my brother. And I said, no, it's not. I said, this is any small child going on little adventures with his favorite stuffy. And he, I, I showed him one of the pictures and I said, this looks like you. And he says, oh, well it does. So I, I would like for any young child to, to spark imagination, to make them want to go out into their little area of the world and discover the birds and the animals and the trees. So if anybody's listening and this book sounds appealing to uh, your younger children or grandchildren or someone with a vision impairment, uh, go to Amazon.com or uh, BarnesandNoble.com and, and check out The Adventures of Bunny and boy. Um, so Christine, talk about the process now. You can, you know, hear a sound, point your camera, snap a picture, but what happens after that? How, how do you uh, determine which pictures are good? How do you see them? So talk about that process of from when you're outside to inside, uh, getting your pictures uh, not developed, but, you know, seeing which ones are good ones. I put them on my computer and I'm lucky to have a very large screen computer and I'll get them up there and pretty much get my nose right on top of them. And I, you know, I like to make sure that I can see the, the pupil in the bird's eye and to make sure it's not fuzzy. And sometimes I have to call somebody in and say, does this look right? And I can take several hundred pictures a day and maybe only keep you know, five or six. 
Because I, I do make some, some bad shots. <laughs> well, that's okay. But I'm sure the shots that you do take, and I've seen some of them online, it's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I mean, what better choice of uh, taking pictures of nature than, than out in the woods and birds and wildlife? So that's that's got to be amazing just to be outside. And I love being outside, but you're doing it and, and, and taking great snapshots of your environment out there in, uh, in uh, parts of East Texas. Well, thank you. I I enjoy it. Most of it is done from my back porch. I've got a several feeders set up, and we call that Birdville. Oh, good. And what kind of birds uh, besides you know what you said, cardinals? What what other kind of birds are out there that you you get to take pictures of, or what other wildlife do you do you use? Um, we have blue jays, mockingbirds, uh, tufted titmouse, pine warblers. Uh, just a, a whole host of birds, and um, occasionally we'll get a deer going through the yard, and if, if I can hear it, I can usually find it with the camera. And so you, just... uh, I did. I did take some flower pictures one day, and I spent about thirty minutes making sure the light was was just right, and I clicked, and I got the back side of the flower. Oh, nice. Uh, so when, <laughs> wasn't what wasn't what I was aiming for. Well, still, but uh, still, you're you're taking shots of, and that could be a, a different perspective. Taking the, uh, an image of the back of the flower. I mean, well, it, it won an award through our county fair. There you go. You see. Um, now, do you venture out off your back porch uh, into you know the back areas uh, with someone to help you? Your grandkids? Do they help you? Uh, do you explore? I, I did before this last year. Um, I would go out there, and I've gotten a picture of a hawk. But about a year ago, I made what I call a blind mistake. I stepped out of my sister's door, missed the step, and broke my heel. Oh, man. A year and a half later, it still hasn't healed up. So I'm, I'm limited to how much I can walk. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we've all done that. We've all missed a step or not seen something and trip over. Believe me, I I totally right. understand. I understand and I can relate. My my issue sometimes is not seeing open cabinet doors or, you know. And, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I sometimes describe my forehead like that of a, a wrestler, you know, with all the scars and bumps and, and bruises. So I, I totally can relate. Um, when yeah, you, I imagine anybody with a visual impairment, or even it could happen to anybody. Oh yeah, but I, I yeah. did it upright. So what? What? Um, this daily when you wake up, you just you you know you go out. That's you part of your daily activity, going out to, uh, to your back porch and and trying to take pictures. Or do you have other interests that you like besides photography? Um, photography is my favorite. Um, I, you know, I enjoy swimming. It, the pool is great because you are contained and you can't go any farther than the wall of the pool. Uh, so you don't get lost there. That's true. Um, your, your next book that's coming out, talk a little bit more about that. Cause I, I think that sounds pretty cool too. It's, um, or, or what off, you want to say about it. Yeah. I don't want you to give too much away, but, but right. It's starts off with, you know, I'm going out to take pictures of the birds and one of the birds asks me about my cane. And so it goes on to, you know, the bird sort of interviews me 
and then I meet the other birds. But it, it has a twist at the end that oh. I, I think will bring it all together. Oh, I like that. I like that. That's 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 going to be another interview coming up later on when you're doing. So we'll okay. I'll definitely keep up with you because I want to I want to hear more about that and let all our listeners know about that book as well. So um, now, did you find it hard? Um, I know when people finally decide or feel the need to use a white cane, did you find it tough to start to use one and be seen with one? Was that something that you struggled with or did you say, I I need it? I struggled with it greatly. Um, When I started in in first grade, I remember a picture on the wall. It was a drawing with a person with a cane and the teacher pointed to it and said, if you see somebody with this white cane with the red with the red end, they're blind. They're different. Leave them alone. Oh, man. And that hurt when I started losing my sight. On, no, I don't want to be different or unapproachable. And my mother finally told me. She says, "Do you want to go around looking drunk, or do you want to look like you're in control and that?" You, you know, and I said, okay. So fortunately, I started using it before she passed away. Wow. She was able to see that that I was using it. And that's got to be a tough thing for a, a child or a young, young person to hear about the distinction that they are different. I mean, yeah, yes, that, in a way you're different, but not in a bad way that you should feel that, you know, you're a bad different. And I did a couple of uh, speaking engagements at some elementary schools. And one night my husband and I were grocery shopping. And I don't know if this little boy was in that class, but every time we passed him and his parents, he would yell out, Mom, that girl is blind. And this went on every aisle. We ran into them. And finally, the mother apologized and she said, I'm so sorry. And I said, no, it's great. I haven't been called a girl in years. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and, you know, in my experience as um, an orientation mobility special, I had to, in my student teaching, follow the uh, certified orientation mobility in schools. And I would see them go into a classroom to get a young boy or girl uh, for their lesson, and they would get their cane out of the book bag, and they'd kind of hide it underneath their arm, you know, not open it up so that the other kids wouldn't see it. And and there I was observing with my cane fully out and open and using it and hopefully to show that uh, student that it's okay to be seen with your cane. And, and as advocates now, as we are visually impaired, we have to educate the sighted world what it's like to be visually impaired, how to talk to us, how to describe things to us, how to give us directions. So, you know, it's wonderful that you're, you're doing this and, you know, the book that's coming up is I'm sure going to be amazing to let a lot of young kids know it's okay to use your white cane. Right. And I I want to be approachable. If somebody wants to ask me a question, I want them to feel like it is okay. I've had, yeah. And I've had kids come up to me and say, why do you use that? And I, and I find that great. That's an education, educational moment now for me to educate the young boy or the young girl that my eyes don't work like yours. I don't see as well. So I need this to help me to not fall or trip. I took my uh, camera to a baseball game one day and I had my husband help me 
point me in the right direction to one of my grandson's favorite baseball players. It was Jose Altuve. Oh, yeah. And I had the picture blown up and gave it to him. And he says, Grandma, they let you on the field? I said, no, I was up in the stands. And he says, Grandma, you're blind. You didn't you didn't realize you were on the field. And he, he just said, that, that's such a good picture. Oh, and I bet so we, we took him to a game and I showed him where, where I was sitting. He's like, okay. And I bet you're happy now because the Astros are, you know, in the uh, championship series, aren't they? Yeah. I, I hope they get their act together. <laughs> See, I, I don't follow baseball that much anymore like I used to, but I do know that, you know, they're playing the Rangers. I'm still not used to the Astros being in the American league. So I'm still, you know, that's still strange to me. <laughs> Yeah, it, it'll be a Texas team for sure that goes to the World Series, but we hope it's the Astros. That's right. Maybe you get to go to one of the World Series games and take some photographs there, hopefully. Um, I can't afford those tickets. <laughs> I know. It's amazing what things cost nowadays for football, basketball, uh, baseball oh, games. Oh, especially when you get to the playoffs. You're looking at 1500 a ticket. That's right. But you're a renowned, a renowned author now. Maybe, you know, there'll be some special tickets for you, hopefully. <laughs> that that would be nice. <laughs> Good. Awesome. Now, um, what else would you like to tell us about your photography? Is what, what, what drives you to do it every day? I know you said it's just a passion, but um, are you looking for more material for another book or, or more? Or you just you just do it because you love doing it? I love doing it. I, I intend to put these in a book, but I also want to show people that are too busy to look around them. And I want to show them the beauty that's out there. That is a good point because the sighted world does not appreciate or pay attention a lot to the beauty around no, them. They're too busy. That, you know, they've got to get to work. They've got to do, you know, deal with their children and they, they don't see the the flowers on the peach tree um, or, you know, that or the blueberry tree that has like little bells for flowers. I like, and, you know, no, I like to tell um, people with a vision impairment that are maybe newly losing their vision or sight that, uh, you know, close your eyes and just listen to everything around you and try and figure out what that sound is, where it's coming from, what direction and. And just, you know, if you're going to lose one of your senses, you know, pay attention to the other one more and you will because you're going to lose that one sense. Right. And they, the other senses don't get better, but you learn to depend on them. That's right. That's my, my retina specialist carries or used to carry a pocket full of my bird pictures with them. But since COVID, he had them framed and has it hanging up in the hallways and whenever he has a patient that is facing life-altering vision changes, he takes them out and he shows them the pictures. And he says, look, he says, the woman that took these pictures has a lot less vision than you do. And if she can do this, you can continue on with your life. That is great because, yes. People... Oh, and he had to show my son the pictures one day. Oh, nice. And he said, do you know who took these? And he says, yes, my mother. And he says, if she can do this, you can keep on going. 
That's true. That's true. I mean, uh, it's part of adapting, part of doing things you want to do. I'm about to take a computer class in JAWS. So uh, JAWS is a computer program, for those that may not know, where you can use a computer without vision. So I'm about to start that process in case my vision completely goes away. So I want to keep that's, going. That, that's good to get prepared for it. I, I always tell people it's okay to sit on the pity pot for a little while, but then you need to get up and flush. <laughs> it, you, you, you miss out on, on too much. Get up the, and the world will go by without you, and you need to get out there and, and get involved. That is true. You're, you're truly an inspiration. And the book is The Adventures of Bunny and Boy. You can find it on Amazon.com. Check out Barnes and Nobles. Uh, and there's another book coming up, you know, in the near future from Christine. So um, that's amazing. Um, Christine, before we let you go, I usually ask uh, four questions of my guests. And I want to I didn't give you these ahead of time because this is more of a spur of the moment type, you know, question. Uh, first question is, do you have a favorite movie and why? You know, I'm I'm going to have to say The Birdcage. Oh, yes. It just, it made me laugh at, at a period in my life where I needed to laugh. Awesome. What's your favorite uh, genre of music or artist or band? What What do you listen to when you're not taking pictures? Or what do you have on when you're taking your pictures? Um, mainly Elton John. Okay. I have loved his music since I was 10 years old. Okay. Besides your photography, what else do you do to relax? What's your... What's your other hobby or what, what do you go to when you just want to chill out? I'll send notes to friends through Facebook um, or, you know, spend time with my grandkids when they're here. They're, they're in school right now, but I enjoy spending time with them. Okay. And last question is, what is still on your bucket list? Is there something you still want to do or go to? Well, I think I've done most of it. I've been up in hot air balloons, which is wonderful. Um, I can't think of anything else that that is on my bucket list except to just keep on going. And you're doing that, and it's amazing, and you are an inspiration, and that's kind of why I wanted to have you on to tell our listeners more about you, your book, and and if they're there feeling like they aren't able to do things, you know, here's another example of someone that can show you that, yes, you can do things. We just have to adapt and do them differently and get assistance if we need it. Right. Um, the Houston, 35 years ago, it was called the Houston Commission for the Blind, and they sent somebody out and taught me a lot of things. I, oh, I didn't tell you. I also use the sewing machine. They oh, nice. taught me how to thread a needle without sight. And I use my fingers as a guide. And so I've made made the grandkids clothes. I made my, my daughter's prom dress when, when she was younger. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Christine, I want to thank you for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. 
All right, you've been listening to WRBH, Reading Radio for the Blind. This has been the Public Affairs Show. I'm Carla Redondo. Thank you for listening. <laughs>